You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Almighty God, we ask that you would make your Son present to us here this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I like talking about God a whole lot more than I talk to God. I don't know if any of that is true for you as well. I like to read theology. I like to read commentaries. Since I was a little kid, my mother tells me that I was so interested in the meaning of life, how things fit together, God, why is there suffering in the world? And that is all great, and all the stuff I've read has really been helpful. Some of it's not been so helpful, but I've got to be honest with you. I am jealous of those of you here in this room who are completely uninterested in those questions and who actually pray. So if you are that person, well, those of us who are lost in our heads all the time, we need you. I think a whole lot of times, those of you who are prayers, those of you who might say, I just have a simple faith, man. You look at the, the teachers like, oh, they've got all this knowledge. They're, they're put together. We're not put together. We need you as much as you might need us. So again, I, I like talking about God a whole lot more than I like talking to God. Why is that? Well, even for those of you in this room who are good at praying or force yourself to pray, prayer is hard. The best monks and nuns that I've talked to, the ones who are professional prayers, what they have told me is that we are all beginners at prayer. I think that's a helpful word for all of us. I think a whole lot of the times some of us don't go to the Lord in prayer because we feel like amateurs. We don't know what we're doing. Maybe we were taught to say the Lord's Prayer. Maybe we were told to, to close our eyes, to put our hands together, but we don't really know what we're doing. So for some of us, that's why we're hesitant to pray. In fact, for professional Christians with MDivs, sometimes I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I think For others of us, we moderns, we feel silly about praying. We begin to wonder, is this just self-therapy? Am I talking to myself? Am I believing something that's utterly absurd? So we've got those doubts in the back of our minds. Now, I think those are, you know, really good reasons. Prayer is hard. It's, we're always beginners at this. Doubt is very real. But I think the real reason that I talk about God and prayer much more so than I actually talk to God and, and, and pray is simple. I am very easily distractible. Maybe you're not. Maybe you are just focused. But uh, you know how the old timers, they, they always like to tell us that, you know, in my day, it was a whole lot harder. Well, I think we have this on them. Distraction is a whole lot harder to avoid in our day than it was in their day. Now, granted, distraction has always been a perennial problem. But just think about those of you who have smartphones. Those of you who don't, God bless you and and hold off as long as you can. Because I've started to realize that I don't even 
choose to pick up and scroll, whether it's on social media or news or whatever, I unconsciously, if I am alone for 10 seconds, will pick that thing up and start going. And I, I criticize Chelsea for it, but I am the chief culprit. Now, and I've read some studies about this, and the reason why we unconsciously do this, one of the reasons, is that we get a dopamine rush in that first minute, which you lose. And if you go to something new the next minute, then that dopamine rush comes back. So if you've been wondering why your attention span has shrunk drastically, this is one of the reasons. I like talking about God a whole lot more than I like talking to God because I'm distractible, because I don't oftentimes hear a voice, because sometimes I wonder if there's anyone listening on the other side. But this problem of distraction that we have, again, it's nothing new. Uh, Pascal wrote, and I don't know about you, but I used to have a word for his great book, but I've been told by folks that it's completely wrong, so I'm going to say it in English. You know what I'm talking about? Pensies, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, the, wor- the way we think we're saying it right is not actually right. But in that, he writes this about distraction. Distraction is the only thing that consoles us for miseries, and yet it itself is the greatest of our miseries. I have discovered that all the unhappiness of men arises from one simple fact, that they cannot stay quiet in their own chamber. When's the last time you've tried to sit still and be quiet for 10 minutes? For some of you, this is just part of your everyday life. For me, if I'm quiet for more than two minutes, I'm shaking and you know those studies about how like, people were put in the room by themselves and would they rather be essentially quiet for 10 minutes or would they push this button that will hurt them and 75% of the people push that button because they'd rather be hurt than bored? That's me. Maybe that's some of you. I raise all this about distractibility and whether for some of you in this room we, we like theology a whole lot more than we actually like God, if we're true to ourselves. We like the idea of God much more than we like the presence of God. Well, I think the gospel lesson this morning has a word to this distractibility, to this this desire for an encounter with God, and yet we just, we can't find ourselves doing it. I want to begin by saying, please turn to page seven, because it feels like we read the gospel a lifetime ago. Uh, I'm not going to go line by line, but I'm just going to highlight a few things. In that first verse, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming, and what does he say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, from this pulpit, I've kind of uh, badmouthed the ESV translation on occasion. Don't worry, all the translations are good. Don't listen to anyone who's like, this is much better than that one. Because sometimes the ESV is not so good, but here, it's really good. It's really good because a lot of the more recent commentary or uh, translations, they say, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, or see, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What the ESV gets really right here is what John is doing on a plain sense level is saying, behold, he's saying, encounter the Lamb of God 
who takes away the sin of the world. If you think this isn't a big deal, look down on, on verse 36. He says the exact thing again. Behold, the Lamb of God. Sure, what the gospeler is saying is, hey, look, these characters, look, there he is. But more than that, for you and me, the second audience, the one who John wrote it for, is not just look, but behold, here he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's a gravitas to that. And this is what John is doing. John, the most simple of gospels, while also being the most complex, and you might even say mystical, of the gospels. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And later on, right, after the second time John says this, some of John's followers start to follow Jesus, and when he notices this, he says, who do you seek, or what do you seek? And again, on one level, it's, what are you after? But on a deeper, plain sense reading, it's much bigger than that. What do you seek? What are you seeking? What do I seek? What do I want deep down? They say, where are you staying? Where are you staying? Now, again, on one level, where where are you staying, man? But on another level, what we just read earlier in this same chapter is that the word of God who is with God in the beginning is close to the Father's heart. In some translations, is in the bosom of the Father. Where are you staying? To which Jesus says, come and see. And then the text says that they reside with him. Come and see. What are you seeking? What we all are seeking for in our quest for various good things, according to John, according to the Christian tradition, is the ultimate. God the Father. Here we read in that incredible prologue, Jesus, the Word made flesh, is close to the Father's heart. A mutual indwelling happens there. And you and I, by coming and seeing, are invited to participate in that life, to indwell in that life. This indwelling that is not less than, but much more than the good head knowledge that we put in our brains, that you're going to hopefully put in your brain at 10 o'clock in our Christian Ed service. But what I fear, and what I know is true for myself, is that I so often put all of that stuff in my head, and I go to Bible studies, and I do service projects, and all of these things are good things, necessary things, things that we're supposed to be doing, things that do give us life. But sometimes I wonder if all of my reading, all of the Bible studies I go to, all of these projects I find myself filling my time, if I'm just busying myself, if I'm filling myself with noise so that I don't have to have this personal encounter with the living God, the Word made flesh, the one who is close to the Father's heart because I'm afraid of what it might mean. 
I'm afraid of what it might do. If you're here this morning and you find yourself easily distractible and you don't know why, if you find that you'd much rather talk about God than talk to God, then this text has a word for you and me. Only this word is not one of condemnation. This word is not one where it's, you know what, to your already huge to-do list, add one more thing. Be quiet for 10 minutes in the morning and in the evening. I wish I could do that. In fact, I'm trying to do that. But really, I think what you and I can take away from here is I mean, I lived in New York City for seven and a half years. Now I've lived in Birmingham for over a year. And it's different, but it's, it's the same. We all busy ourselves to death, whether it's with work, whether it's with this hospitality has to be perfect or I don't matter. I think this word about dwelling with the Lamb, about coming and seeing, beholding the Lamb of God is an invitation to rest, an invitation to be lazy. Yes, you're going to get back to your Bible studies. Yes, we're going to get back to our service projects. But if we're just doing that, if we're just filling the time, then we have no time to behold. And who are we beholding? Well, we've already learned that he is the Word made flesh, but here we learn further that he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So if you're like me and you feel convicted about not praying, no, there's good news. This is the same Lord who takes away our distraction, who takes away our shortcomings. He's close to the Father's heart. He's inviting us into this indwelling between Him and the Father that's been going on from all eternity. So friends, as we celebrate Holy Communion, behold the Lamb of God who forgives us our sins and makes right all that has gone wrong. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.